Hey, this is Sophia from CNET here with the latest tech news. Jody Armour remembers the first time he saw a video of Rodney King being beaten by Los Angeles police officers in the spring of 1991, and the second time, and the third time, and many after that. The video of police beating King, an unarmed black man in a parking lot, had saturated the airwaves shortly after it happened on March 3rd. Newly launched 24-hour cable news networks like CNN played it on a near-constant loop. Three decades later, an armor is now a law professor at University of Southern California. He's watching another gruesome video of police and an unarmed black man. Like King, this unarmed black man was filmed by a bystander as he was abused by the police. But that's where the similarities end. King's video was taken at a distance, and the bits replayed on TV were blurry. Today's video clearly shows the victim's face as he was pinned on the ground, wincing in pain, gasping for breath, and calling out for his mother. And this video is punctuated by a Minneapolis police officer, leaning his knee on the man's neck for what would be 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Unlike King, this man died in police custody. His name was George Floyd. The video of Floyd's final moments made its way to international TV, but that's not where many people saw it. Instead, millions were introduced to Floyd through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. The horrifying video was shot vertically, like so many TikTok dances and happy selfies. It spread around the internet alongside hashtags for this generation's civil rights movement, Black Lives Matter. The digital age has transformed how information spreads around the world, and it's also changed the reaction to another unarmed black man's death. In years past, shocking images would fill TV screens, newspapers, and hashtags around the world. When local police shot and killed another unarmed black man named Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri in 2014, thousands of people gathered there to protest day and night. But unlike with Brown, who was shot at least six times, there's video evidence of Floyd's final moments. It's hard to watch and leaves little question as to how he was treated. Protesters quickly took to the streets as the video spread, marching in every major U.S. city and around the world, despite the coronavirus pandemic, which has infected 7.5 million people globally and killed 423,000. Also unlike previous incidents, which eventually faded as the nation moved on to some new outrage, the prevalence of phone cameras at these protests has brought a steady stream of new examples of police brutality, keeping us focused on the fight to end racial inequality and overall police departments as institutions. As activists march, asking if they might be the next unarmed black person to die at the hands of the police. Others ask how many more incidents haven't been videotaped. They remind us that if we weren't living in the modern age, with camera-equipped phones in our pockets everywhere we go, we may never have known what happened to Floyd. Civil rights activists have relied on cameras and video footage to expose racism, abuse, and misconduct for decades. In the 1960s, Martin Luther King Jr. and his colleagues organized protests that would grab the media's attention and expose abuse. Cameras were rolling when children marching for equality in Birmingham, Alabama, were hit with water from fire hoses and attacked by police dogs. The cameras were there again when peaceful protesters walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama in 1965, 
only to be attacked by law enforcement waiting on the other side. Today, the videos and images aren't just shot by news media, but also by activists, police-worn body cameras, store surveillance footage, and random passerbys. Social media has also allowed for easy ways to share the shocking images. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter's Periscope all have the ability to broadcast live from your phone, too. As a result, protesters are often holding phones in front of them, capturing the energy of a march, along with any police response. And it's those same phones that have captured police-involved killings of black men, such as Eric Gardner, Philando Castile, Terrence Crutcher, and Alton Sterling. Social media has also become a tool for organizing. When Twitter published a list of the most used hashtags on its platform in 2016, the top three were Ferguson, Love Wins, and Black Lives Matter, making social justice issues the top most mentioned in the history of the service. A Pew Research Center analysis of Twitter data found part of what's made Black Lives Matter such a popular hashtag is how broadly it's been used. It's helped protesters organize, it's been the target of criticism for the movement, and it's identified new events and police misconduct. It's also become a rallying cry within the Black community. 68% of Black social media users are more likely than whites to say that at least some of the posts they see on social media are about race. Pew also said, 28% of Black social media users say at least some of what they post about themselves is about race, whereas only 8% of white users say the same. Those conversations have also helped spur more media coverage of Black men being killed by police, according to a study by Ethan Zuckerman, an associate professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Media Lab. Before 2014, when Black Lives Matter rose to national prominence following the police killing of Michael Brown in Ferguson, a Black man killed by police in a city had a 39% chance of having at least one article published about him. Following 2014, a similar person had a 64% chance. Protesters throughout the U.S. have marched and held memorials to Floyd nearly every day since the video of his arrest went viral. They've pushed public conversations on race, including on Capitol Hill and in local legislators. People are debating reducing police budgets across the country, a movement activists call defund the police. Some cities are considering a complete reset of their police departments. The Minneapolis City Council announced plans on June 9th to disband its police department in favor of a new public safety program. Others, like the New York State Assembly, are looking at reform. On June 8th, they passed a bill banning police from using deadly chokeholds. The bill is named after Eric Gardner, an unarmed black man who was killed in 2014 when an NYPD officer used the hold on him. The video of his deadly encounter with the police and his pleas I Can't Breathe, became a rallying cry for activists. As New York was passing its chokehold bill, congressional Democrats on Capitol Hill unveiled the Justice and Policing Act. Among other things, it would ban facial recognition without a warrant. The bill also attempts to create transparency with a national police misconduct registry and mandates state and local law enforcement turn over data on use of force. It's unclear whether all these efforts will lead to real change. American politicians have responded to shocking and outrageous deaths before, introducing laws and advocating for change that ultimately never comes. 
In Minneapolis, where Floyd was killed, the police department missed opportunities to remove bad officers and change use of force rules like banning controversial chokeholds, according to reports by the Marshall Project. And the U.S. Department of Justice has almost entirely retreated from investigating police misconduct since President Trump was inaugurated in 2017, according to data compiled by the National Law Journal. For more of the latest tech news, visit CNET.com.